0: Thanksgiving week will make a two-year mark since I left ESPN and switched jobs, and I have moments of gratitude. I'm not one of these yoga type of mentality, we are the world type of people. I'm not one of these guys that like, oh, I practice gratitude and all this stuff, but there's Times in my life where I'm at Oktoberfest in Munich, and then I shoot over to Berlin and go to these clubs, and like then I go There's to a great a, museum too. A, yeah, a great museum. I I go to Arsenal. I, I go to London and go to an Arsenal game, and like I could just drop everything at drop of a dime and be pretty comfortable doing so. I have the means to do so, and like two years ago, I couldn't even imagine doing that. Like it was not part of my life. Welcome back to the
1: Found Generation, a self-improvement podcast. We're back on the road again, this time coming to you from Miami, Florida with good friend Jake Lenick making his... third appearance on the podcast first and found generation era
0: first and found generation era it's a it's it's really nice i mean i see a lot of other people making their appearances i feel like i was deserving of an earlier appearance but wow i mean listen you're a busy man i i'm i'm not salty about it i don't i mean i'm i am a grudge holder but i don't Mm. hold a grudge against my friends S- seems oh, like a you, bit. you've been uh, waiting to say this for a while. Uh, I mean, like, you're, you're going to hear it from me a little bit. Um, I do have stuff to say. And, you know, you finally put a microphone. This is the first time uh, with a microphone in front of my face in about a year and a half. So, uh, yeah, I do plan on, on saying some stuff. So you might take some shots here.
1: Oh, great. Well, <laughs> I'm used to that from you. Uh, let's waste no time get into it. So I said we're here in Miami. You moved here earlier this year. Why did you make that decision?
0: Just always where was where I wanted to be. Um, I was looking for jobs when I worked back in the media um, in Miami. I was going to take a, a pretty low-paying job just to be in Miami. This has been always been kind of a second home for me. My grandparents live here, um, so it's always had like a family kind of community to me. It's not what most people think of when people think of Miami to me. Um, but it's just beautiful weather all the time, beautiful people. I feel like when I'm here, I want to be the best version of myself. Mm. So, uh, I, I made the move and, uh, you know, my, my work granted me the opportunity to kind of, you know, have, um, my own path for success. And I think that when I'm here, it makes me want to be the best person I, I, I can be. And, you know, this is part of it, you know, living right and seeing what real success looks like. And this is part of the vision. So,
1: Can I uh, call you out? Go for it. So you love to tell me what to do with my life's choices. And way back when, earlier this year, around the time that you moved here, I was once again debating where to live. Mm -hmm. And you made the strong case for me living in New York City, and that if I don't do it, I will regret it. And it's a big mistake. Conversely, at the same time, you were leaving New York City, this amazing, incredible
0: place that I should drop everything for. Well, there's a method to my madness, Troy. You and I are in wildly different positions in our life. I've lived that life. I've done that. Been there, done that. I've had that experience. You are a man who is a glutton for experiences. Oh, yeah. And I know this about you. And the experiences and opportunities in New York are endless. It gets a horrible rep for being dangerous and dirty and whatever. But there is a bookstore on every block. There's a coffee shop on every block. There's a bar, brewery, whatever you may want to get into. You can find on any corner of New York City. Even if you want to, you know, talk to somebody, there's always a homeless person willing, ready and able to uh, lend a helping hand to you. And you could just kind of, you know, kick it with people. And I feel like. You would love New York City, but you know, you you could take the man out of the mountains, but you can't take the mountains out of the man, I guess. So you had to go back to New Hampshire, which I don't understand for a 27-year-old. I mean, listen, I I look at you kind of like a little brother, you know, trying to, you're in a position that I wasn't in when I was 27. When I was 27, I was still in ESPN in a place where I didn't want to be, living kind of a low-key life. Then when I was 28, Nine, twenty twenty eight, twenty nine, somewhere around there. I moved to New York and it was the greatest time ever because that was the position I was in. And I think New York is a is a big credit to that. But again, I've been there, I've done that, and I, I get bored of things and places very quickly. I like to move and shake, and mm, that's just what makes layup. me Jake. You know, I just <laughs> had the rhyme there. It was just a layup. So uh yeah, I mean I, I love New York. I got a lot of love for New York, but New York's also twenty degrees in February and Miami's about seventy, so <laughs> it was a pretty easy decision to make there. Well,
1: as you once told me, part of your pitch to get me to New York, if you want to wake up at four AM and drink coffee with the rats, there's a place for you to do that. That's so what I'm saying. that's uh I don't regret my decision to move back to New Hampshire. Although I do regret signing a year lease because uh, I think so, it sounds ja- like regret to me. I, I think in January I uh, am going to want to leave and I just might, and I might just go to New York city, but I also said that last time. And as you know me, I'm not a man of my word.
0: No, really. not, not when it comes to uh, making plans in advance, you, you, Make a tentative plan, change your mind 45 times behind the scenes, make a decision without telling me. Right. And then wait till the last minute to tell me so I could just blow you up right. and berate then you. Then I get
1: the angry phone call, and I'm like, how did he find out about this? Where,
0: yeah, you know, I, I listen, I got my my ear to the streets <laughs> and I put your face in the ground, bro. So I gotta make sure that I keep you on your P's and Q's. I can never you gotta stay honest with me, or else I'm gonna call you out for being sneaky, man. That's what I do. Oh, yeah. You hate the hypocrisy as well. well uh, sneaky and hypocrisy are two different things. Yeah, I, I, never, I never really call you out for being a hypocrite. I think that you're a lot of things. A lot of great things, some bad things, but a hypocrite's not one of them. I don't think you're a hypocrite.
1: Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Cool. But this is about you. Yeah. You said that you <laughs> haven't been uh, behind the microphone in a long time. You used to be behind the microphone all of the time. Why did you choose to leave ESPN a year and a half-ish ago.
0: Well, I mean, I'm, you've been over on the podcast. ESPN is a hellhole. I hope that place... Uh, uh, I love ESPN. Yes. Oh, Troy loves... ESPN's great. Especially Connecticut. Uh, the worldwide leader in sports and Miserable awesome. people. However, my experience was less than satisfactory there. I think I got treated unfairly, and, and I wouldn't even say unfairly, just unkindly. People just didn't really care about anything and you were just, you know, a, a what was it, a pog or a cog in the machine or something like that? Yeah. I knew it was one of those. Cog things. in the
1: corporate wheel. Yeah.
0: And I, I don't like to feel used. I, I'm very, very bad at taking direction and taking orders. And I know that's part of corporate America. So you kind of gotta bend a little bit. But it, it got to a breaking point where I just was not living a life that was a life that I like to live. And you know, when I made the switch, so obviously I went from ESPN to a financial uh, job, um, it it wasn't easy, um, but it was one where I had to kind of go on the outside and kind of take inventory on what's important to me. And at the end of the day, um, my freedom and, you uh, you know, making a little bit more money and being able to do the things that I wanted to do whenever I wanted them to happen, was very important to me, more so than being in front of a microphone. I'm very excited to be on this podcast today because I do love this. I do love being in front of a microphone. It was a passion of mine for a very, very long time, which was one of the hardest things to give up when I was leaving ESPN because I put so much work into it, so many sleepless nights, so many days in a row that I would be in front of a microphone working in front of a board or whatever it was, producing. I loved all of it when, when it was pure. But when it got a little bit too corporate and controlling and uncreative, that's kind of the was the breaking point for me. I feel like I wasn't being myself. And when I'm not myself, I can't create good content. When I can't create good content, what's the point? I'm not chasing a passion anymore. I'm just chasing a job. And a job's not what I want unless I'm making a lot of money. Right. But you
1: chose to leave the the industry entirely. Yes rather than just ESPN being a bad place. There's many places in media that are great places. Well,
0: I mean, it's I I left media totally, but it wasn't for lack of trying. I definitely applied to a lot of places and I thought ESPN would be a a good stepping stone to get one of those jobs at one of those places Um, came up short. The job search lasted longer than I wanted to. And uh, it got, again, that breaking point. I, I remember it. Very, very, you know, clear. It's uh, when all of our friends started leaving ESPN. You left ESPN. Our buddy Connor left ESPN. Our buddy Devin left ESPN. Our buddy Tito left ESPN. And it was just like me and a bunch of like these corporate guys, save for a few guys like Cam, who's been on this podcast. Yates, has he been on this podcast? Bubba, like there's still people I love that was there, but it just didn't feel. I didn't feel that same community mm-hmm. and on top of the job, it just became terrible for me. Like I was not being myself. I was very depressed. It's not my style. I'm a very like happy-go-lucky person. I'm usually very lighthearted and, um, you know, I tried to get a job in media. It didn't happen and, you know, I was fortunate because I have a great friend who, uh, who always kind of gave me a fail safe with uh, the job that I currently have. And I took inventory and I was like, this is the only move that I can make. Luckily, it worked out phenomenally beyond what I could have imagined. Um, I was telling you the other day that, you know, November will mark, like Thanksgiving week will make a two year mark since I left ESPN and switched jobs. And I have moments of gratitude. I'm not one of these you know, yoga type of mentality. Yeah, we are the guys. world type of people. Yeah. I'm not one of these guys that like, oh, I practice grat- gratitude and all this stuff. But there's times in my life where, you know, I'm at I'm at Oktoberfest in Munich and then I shoot over to Berlin and go to these clubs. And like, then I go it's to- a, a, great a, a, yeah, a great museum too. Yeah, great museum. I go to Arsenal. I, I go to London and go to an Arsenal game. And like, I could just drop everything at the di- a drop of a dime and be pretty comfortable doing so. I have the means to do so. And like two years ago, I couldn't even imagine doing that. Like it was not part of my life. It wasn't even close to part of my life. And when people were talking about vacations and free time and all this stuff, I would like roll my eyes and laugh and kind of, you know, feel a little bit of resentment towards them a little bit because I was a little bit jealous. And now, you know, it fortunately has become part of my life. And it's because I made that move two years ago. So there, there is so many times that like I kind of like look around. I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm here right now. Like this is it's wild. Two years removed. It's a crazy, crazy time, you know?
1: Self-awareness is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And I think a lot of us in what we're doing kind of at some point, we hit a point where we're kind of at a crossroads and I think you were probably at this moment when you're at ESPN where you kind of have to ask yourself, you know what, maybe I'm not maybe I'll never be as good at this as I want to be. You never got to accomplish your dreams of like being an on air ESPN radio talent. Did you have to have face that harsh reality of like, you know what, maybe this I'm just
0: never going to get there and I should just switch course? No, because I was better than everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I was awesome at what I did. You um, were. You were great. I, I think I, I'm i fairly electric behind a microphone, call it cocky or whatever. I think I have great self-awareness every time I got behind a microphone everywhere I went, whether it was Indiana University, ratings spiked when I when I started my show. I went from a show that went from one day a week, one hour a week, to three shows a week, two hours a week because I became one of their main hosts. When I worked in Indiana, I started as a promotions assistant. They got me on air one time. Became a producer. Was on air all the time. People were calling in to talk to me. Even when I was working in shows in ESPN, the hosts loved working with me. And when they 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 uh, they scoped out segments that kind of had me on the show. But I think ESPN kind of has a way of of kind of jamming you a little bit. Yeah. They they want to keep you down. They'll keep they'll call you a production assistant even though you're producing nationwide shows just to kind of lower you. And in my opinion, you know, a little bit of conspiracy theorist, a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, especially when it comes to ESPN, which is such like a corporate environment where I think that they keep that label on you and keep you, you know, down. So your resume looks a little bit worse. So it's harder to find a job. I really do believe that. And that was one thing that ate at me. I used to think about that all the time to the point I would put on my resume that I'm a producer. And then they'd be like, oh, what show do you produce? And then I'd be like, oh, I kind of move around. I work Sports Center all night. I work uh, Sinead and Golick Jr. I work, you know, every single show that's there. But I hold a lot of responsibilities, whether that's the main producer, the associate producer, the board operator, whatever it is. And then it comes out like, oh, he's a production assistant. I'm like, if only you knew, man, like yeah. <laughs> so that that used to eat at me a little bit, and I, I do believe they do that for a reason. Does it eat at you
1: now that you left the industry kind of unfulfilled?
0: Um, no, nah, because my life's pretty cool right now i I've, I'm a very fulfilled individual as we stand here. I don't yeah I, I, tell, I'll t- I tell you this all the time, like I grew up playing tennis and we used to do yoga. And I know I'm not a yoga guy, but one message that I always kept was to kind of live in the moment. You can't think of the last point if you hit a bad shot and you're down love 30 or something like that, because that'll just screw you over going into the next point. You don't want to go down love 40 or else you're you're really screwed, something like that. Um, you can't dwell on the past. I mean, there's a couple of grudges that I may hold or whatever, and there's some people that you know, I, I may not want to watch succeed and I, I, I will watch gladly if they fail because I, I do think that uh, success isn't enough sometimes. I do want to see people that have wronged me do bad. <laughs> it's just kind of the way I am. You could call it what it is. Um, but I, I don't I don't look bad. I I really try not to remember like some of the things about ESPN because it just gets me mad and in a bad mood. I've really moved on. Like, I have very much moved on. I very rarely think about my time at ESPN because I'm busy living my life and doing my current job. And, you know, if there's anything I took away from ESPN, it's about how hard we worked all the time. Because right now, I kind of work for myself. I mean, I work for a company, but I'm my own boss. Like, I pretty much do my own hours. I could work wherever I wanted, part of the reason why I'm in Miami. And, you know, I owe it to, you know, the, 27, 28 year old version of me that was working overnight shifts and, you know, 14 days in a row and all that. I'm like, I can work a nine to five and work really hard and make sure that I am excelling at my job in a way that others can't because I know how harder, how much harder I worked in the past. It's really not the most demanding thing in the world. And I have my weekends. I have a routine. I got, you know, my health and everything in check. And for now. For now. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's just been, you know, that, that experience of the SPN, I I like I can be a little bit of like a self-deprecating person just for like I, I think it's easier to connect with people if you have that aspect and you're yeah. just like You kind of let someone's guard down if you're like, oh, I'm not perfect and like, I'm a piece of shit or whatever and gets them laughing. But I I do take away the positives of most experiences. I don't really take away the negatives. And if I were to dwell on the past and all the negatives, I can think about all the time lost in control room three or whatever. But instead, I I, kind of look back on that and, you know, I, I... live my life now for that person Mm -hmm. and I have moments and I do things. I could drop everything at the drop of a dime and go anywhere because I owe it to that person. I lost time there. So I want to make sure that, you know, I, I lived the most fulfilling life because of like what that experience was like. I didn't do much, especially when COVID hit and everything. If
1: I told you that you could
0: be in Miami
1: as a sports radio host or sports podcaster making the same amount of money that you are in finance right now would you do it
0: mm, i don't know i i probably not because i mean like what's the growth going to look like cuz my the, the growth in my job is exponential month by month day to day year by year like it's really a growth industry that i'm in and it's it's something that i didn't ex- like I was expecting to go into a job where I was going to make money and have free time. I did not expect that I would enjoy it at all. I thought I was going to hate it. As a matter of fact, I love it. I love the people that I work with. I, I work uh, right next to my best friend of 20 years, um, his older brother, who's like uh, older brother, uh, older brother to me. Um, we we got a great group of coworkers that just share my same sense of humor and it's just such like a light atmosphere, which is so not what media is. Again, I love this. Like if I had those people, if I was an on-air host, same growth pattern, and they were all like my producers and stuff, and I got to work with them every day, maybe I I would go back. But like, I, I just, I, I can't imagine liking something as much as I like doing right now. Like it, it is it could not be a more fitting job for me. It is like, it's so much fun. Like I have such a good time. Like there's definitely mundane parts to it. There's mundane parts to every job. You got to make a living to go and live your life and, you know, have experiences and do things. But it's, it's, it's like what they say, don't chase money, chase management. I don't really have a, a manager right now, but I have coworkers. I, I have a great work environment that is like it gets me excited to go into the office and like just talk to these kids we do the immaculate grid in the NBA every day we talk shit about sports we talk shit about girls we talk we talk shit about everything they're just my style of people oh yeah and it's just a fun funny atmosphere and even like you know when you do the mundane stuff and you have a little break it's just like very easy to kind of reset and then go back to like what you were doing before so And and don't get, there's frustrating parts about my job because I have to work with a lot of people that, you know, are kind of jerky with the people, you know, we we give out small business loans, um, business to business loans, and it's called cash advance. We're not supposed to call it loans for the record. Um, But some people are just not good with paying off these cash advances. And, you know, that's when it gets a little frustrating, but I also have fun with that too. And I I use a lot of what I learned in media and communication and all that to kind of help me in my job. So I do interview people like you're doing with me right now. I have conversations with people constantly. No, it's not over the airwaves, but I my, my thing was not so much about getting out over the airwaves and doing that. It's about this. Like, this is what I love. I love being around people and talking to people constantly. I'm a very talkative person. I mean, we've been on this podcast now for 15 minutes. I think you said like 14 things. So that's why I like it. Yeah. So, um, you know, my job does marry a lot of stuff that I, that I love about work and it pays well. So to answer your question that you asked about 7 minutes ago <laughs> um I'd have to say no like I I really have no desire to get back into media because it, of the stressful environment that it presents I I just think like my job now gives me a lot of peace and freedom it's just it, it's a beautiful thing
1: If you gave me a $10,000 cash advance <laughs> and I uh wasn't paying it what is it, the kind of phone call you would leave me what's the voicemail you leave me when i know that you're calling me to collect money and i just don't want to face that
0: are, are you troy farkas my friend or are you no, troy no. farkas the broke-ass trucker from south carolina that guy you know for well, i on the tamer end i kind of just call them and i say hey man like I, i'm trying to help you out you know like i gave you money to grow your business you obviously didn't do that you obviously took my money and or took our money, and you, you spent it on stupid things, and uh, unfortunately, you signed a legally binding contract, and if you don't fulfill the contract, unfortunately for you, we have a collections department that can file liens on your business and your bank accounts. We could freeze whatever asset that you have, account, whatever it is, and it could financially ruin you, and I don't want to see that happen. I'm only here to help you. I gave you the money, but you assigned an agreement and that's on you. So we have a collections team that can really financially make you not do too well. And once they're done with that, we have a legal team that will take you to court. There's a lot of fees that will get added on to that. And uh, they're going to the court will rule that you have to legally mandated have to pay us back our balance on top of the uh the default fees legal fees everything that's part of the contract so that 10 say you don't pay off that $10,000 cash advance you know that can end up being $25,000 and again i'm just here to help you so you know, talk to me if you want to help me. A lot of these people just think ignoring their phone call, my phone calls, will solve their problems. I'm like, I'm the last friend that's you're what gonna I have. Try. I mean- <laughs> I'm the last friend you got here, buddy. You better talk to me.
1: <laughs> now, what about the eleventh
0: time you call me? <laughs> that, that's an off the podcast oh, conversation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a baseball bat to the legs. I know what people are thinking it's 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 just. I, I get annoyed when people don't answer my phone calls. I get annoyed when my friends don't answer my phone calls. I mean, I, I yell at people. Oh yeah, <laughs> I oh, do. Yeah. I yell at people. But you know, I, I I try to just beat the idea into their head that I'm their friend. I'm here to help. I can pause payments. I can lower payments. I'm 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 your friend here. Everybody else is going to financially corrupt you. You're just you're. They're not going to help you at all. But once you you know ignore me or tell me to go fuck myself for lack of a better word i mean they do tell me that sometimes and i'm like okay and i initiate the process no love lost. what are the biggest misconceptions about finance bros i mean i don't think there's misconceptions it's it depends on the person i mean a lot of times i'll because i'm not your typical finance bro i make money i might dress a little bro-ish sometimes i wear like what cost t-shirt i wear a watch and you know and i'm loud and obnoxious but uh, you know i i find that finance bros a lot of time can be the stereotype but then there's people that are in finance that are just normal people like me and usually that's like the rep that i get like you know i'll go on a date with a girl and they'll be like ah Another finance, bro. And I'm like, all right, keep talking to me. And then like, by the end, they're like, oh, I thought you were just like some douchebag finance guy. And, I, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm deeper. I just like to have conversations with people and like get to know you. Everybody's got a story. And that's like, everybody's interesting to themselves. I mean, you came from somewhere, you've done something, you, you know, tell me about your last trip. Tell me about what excites you, what your passions are, all that stuff. And I think usually finance people, and, and I think that there's truth to the, the stereotype. There's truth to every stereotype, I think. But there's also exceptions to every stereotype. And, you know, a lot of times when you're sitting across from a finance bro, they'll be like, oh, I just bought a Ferrari and I got my 14th Rolex and I bought a $20 million apartment in Miami. And like, that's all they're, the, they're going to talk about. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'll buy you drinks. I will treat you right. I will do like if my friends come, I treat everybody. It's just the way I am. I'm a giving person, but I don't, I don't flash everything that I have. It's not what I do. I'll wear what I bought and stuff like that, but it's not like the base of my interest. It's not the base of my conversations. And I think like I get labeled as the douchey finance bro sometimes just because of the way that I talk. I got a little New York accent. I'm loud and, you know, I can do I fit the stereotype in a lot of ways. But when people start to get to know me and they talk to me, they're like, oh, he's not like that so much, you know, because I met a lot of people where that stereotype is very, very true to. But I know a lot of people that that stereotype is very, very not like that. So it goes it goes both ways it's a seesaw
1: now in your job it's very performance heavy you kind of get out of it what you put into it mm-hmm. so there's no cap to what you're capable of which is both a blessing and a curse the blessing being like you can make really as much as you want the curse being like when do you stop when is enough because you could drive yourself crazy just like working all the time when it's totally unchecked. So how do you kind of strike that balance between having ambition, but not too much to the point that it kind of uh, paralyzes you in a way?
0: I'll let you know when I get there. No, <laughs> uh, no I, I think more, more so than like the ambition part is like, it, it's about keeping the ambition because there will be, we, we, we get paid different amounts depending on how our month goes. Um, and if I have a great, great month, then I'm taking trips to Europe, you know, like I'm spending thousands and tens of thousands, like, you know, like, and when I take those trips, all of a sudden you're kind of getting in the way of your performance because those trips leak into the next month or something like that. Or, you know, you don't want to take as many shots, but you kind of have to keep it going in order to create a good wheel of, um, you know, the performance that you're talking about. Um, you kind of have to keep keep on, you know, doing my job. It's going to, like, I don't want to get into the nooks and crannies of everything, but you need to put out a good amount of work Monday through Friday, every single day. And if you take a day off, you can miss out on a lot of opportunities. Now, fast forward 10, 15 years where I'll have a much larger operation going where I can hopefully hire many people under me. I mean, I know people in this industry, you've met people in this industry who have that type of operation going on. And I imagine it gets to be like, that income is just so nice to have and they don't do that much, but they're still working like dogs and they're still making calls and all that. And you don't wanna stop because the, you're used to having that income. But eventually, you know, you can retire and sail into the sunset. But I, I imagine everybody's different in that sense. I, I, everybody's kind of got a number in their head. Everybody's kind of, you know, I, I feel like I, I can't really comment on that. I feel like you, everyone will know when they're ready, when to, you know, call it a day. I mean, my job is not going to be a job that I have until I'm 80. Hopefully it'll, it'll be a job. Until, You're not making it to 80. Let's be honest. Well, I might. I'm indestructible, <laughs> brother. You know this. But uh, yeah, hopefully, I, I, you know, if I see 50, I'll that that'll kind of be the close of it, and I can sail into the sunset, and I'll have more than enough saved up to kind of live my life. You know, you said I'm not making it to 80, so if I retire at 50, I could die nicely at 55. I'll be doing alright. <laughs> Um, I do want to briefly just go back
1: to that uh, quitting ESPN moment. So whenever I talk about doing uh, something life-changing, jobs, locations, whatever, I hear it from my family, Troy, can't you just have a nice, stable, calm life, like live in New Hampshire, buy a house, be there for a decade, meet a nice girl who you can have children with and like and just settle down. I'm tired of being worried about you. Your mom is also very much uh, a worrier. (laughs) So I'm curious when you said, all right, you know what? I'm getting out of this thing, this stable job with with, you know, it kind of sucks. But, you know, uh, ESPN, very reputable, big brand name. When you told her and the rest of your family who cares about you that you were going to make this drastic change, what was their reaction?
0: It it was uh, mostly support. My mom is very controlling. Love her to death. My best friend in the world but she's very, very controlling. And she doesn't like to think that any of her kids are not in the best position possible. She's also a bit of a sucker for corporate America. She loves yeah. the big names. She loves that she loved that I worked for ESPN. Didn't care how little I made. Didn't care about my hours or anything like that. She cared, obviously. She cared about my mental well-being and all that. I don't want to say she didn't care, but she, loved, she, she was always like, but you work for Disney, you work for ESPN. That always played with her. And to leave her for a financial institution that she's never heard of before, despite her borderline, like not blood related nephew working there, my best friend, um, she was definitely she had a lot of questions. She's like, this might be drastic. And then I had to have a conversation like, look, like I see the way that people that are doing this are living and it is way more like the life i want to live and they're doing very very well and i'm i'm gonna do it like i'm not a person that can be controlled really you know um my mom definitely wants more stability in my life but that's not going to change wherever i am i mean she knew that being in uh, bristol hartford bloomfield wherever you want to call it was killing me so she was always supportive my, my grandparents obviously are my biggest cheerleaders ever, so they were supportive. Um, but it, it took them a while to come around to the idea of me kind of kind of what I struggled with, how hard I worked for you know making a life in media and then just completely turning right and doing a one, not right, just turning backwards, 180, and doing a completely new direction. Um, but I was like, if I'm cool with the idea, you guys need to be cool with the idea. I mean, I'm a grown ass man. I know what I'm doing and I'm calculated. I'm not one of these people that just like makes rash decisions that will drastically affect my life without putting a fair amount of thought into it. You know, I'm, I'm rationally irrational. Like I'm very, like I could be sporadic and crazy and, you know, do a lot of different things at a lot of different times. But when it comes to life-changing things, I won't do it without, you know, putting a fair amount of thought into it. And that's pretty much where that comes. Do you think that
1: we, how much weight should we put into the, the wishes of the people around us when we're making decisions about our lives, because like I ask, because my mom's like, I just need you near me. Like, <laughs> I need you. with I need if something happens to you, like what just happened to me a couple months ago, emergency room, like my mom got to me in like three, four hours. She's like, if you're in London, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So but like when we're making big decisions, how much should we take stock of what other people that we care about, like what they say
0: about it? That's very sweet, by the way, of your mother. Oh, my mother's the same way. <laughs> My my grandparents are the same way. And they always want to keep me close, which is why when I lived in Indiana, they didn't like that as much because I wasn't as close. They like that I'm in Miami because they're always in Miami. Um, But how much weight? If I were to put it in a percent about how much you should let others tell you what to do with your life, pretty close to zero percent, maybe one percent because you care about them and you care about how they feel. Um, I definitely care about how they feel. But if I feel I got an opportunity, I'm taking it. I'm not consulting anybody. Again, grown ass man, rational man. I can do what I want, um, and their their feelings and thoughts are much appreciated. And I love the fact that they care enough to voice their opinions. But only I know what's best for me. Only you know what's best for you. Only my mother knows what's best for my mother. Only your mother knows what's best. so on and so forth. You got to live your life. You can't. You can't, in my opinion, you can't let others get in the way of you living your life, whether that's taking a job, whether that's living somewhere that you want to be, whether that's making decisions that you want to make, whatever works for you, you got to do like I'm a doer. I'm always going to be a doer. And I, I always, you know, like uh, people think I live in Miami and I just go crazy all the time. Like I'm out seven nights a week and I don't sleep and I don't you know, take care of it, which couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, it could be a little further from the truth, <laughs> to be honest. But um, but they like, they'll, my mother and my grandparents will call me and be like, hey, take it easy. You don't need to go too crazy and this. And I'm like, I, I, I do appreciate them because they, they really do care. But only I know what's best for me. I know how to maximize my life. And what I get out of life, you, you only get one, you know, and I know it's like cliche or whatever, but it's absolutely true. It's it's I, I don't want to get put in the earth at 37 <laughs> and, <laughs> and have like a ton of regrets and stuff that I left on the table. Like I go all out and I I so I, when it comes to people telling me what to do, whether it's for a job or whether it's, you know, how I should structure my life or Relationships or anything, I I tend to take them into account maybe like one percent because I do care about them and I care about how they feel and I don't want to do things that will necessarily upset them. But I think that if I'm the best version of myself, I can't I can't upset them because they love me. And if I'm being me, then that's just you know the hundred percent more that they can love you can either get a hundred percent me or you, if you, if I weighed, you know, my mother, my grandmother, whoever, um, 50%, then you're going to get 50% me and 50% you, which maybe they would love me more for (laughs) I don't know, but I I only know how to be myself, man. I know, I know what's best for me at all times. So when I feel a little unhealthy, I take a little time off and I go a little harder in the gym and I watch my diet a little bit more, When I feel like I'm not performing enough, I'll stay up until one o'clock in the morning pricing deals and making calls and collecting and doing everything that I need to do. There's always, there's a lot of balance that you need in life. And only you know the type of balance that you need in any moment. It's ever fleeting. It's ever changing. You know, it's, you got to measure where you're at and what you can do. And that's, that's kind of how I live my life. What is
1: one quality in yourself that you have that you wish other people had because you're very different
0: I think like openness or just um, I, I like it when I I don't like yes men or yes girls I don't I don't want to be it's 2023 yeah, I don't want to be gender specific there yes people. I don't li- <laughs> I like I don't like yes people. I like free thinkers and everything like that. But I do think that people don't push themselves enough to make themselves available. I think that people get very comfortable with who they are and in their little cocoons. And to say no to opportunities and experiences and stuff like that, I wish more people would just be like, yeah, fuck it. You know, I'm down. Let's do something. Yeah. Like I call them. It's just like, eh, I don't know. I just ate dinner. It's like cool you have calories and energy to go do something you the, you can, the
1: maybe i'll let you know drives maybe me maybe i'll let
0: you know is that's a no maybe <laughs> take out the maybe i'll let you and then just take the last word and change how it's spelled it's just no like that is uh maybe we'll see something like that it's like just tell me like i like either say yes or have the balls to say no? Like I, I hate it when people are wishy washy. Yeah, like the wishy washy's worse. Just give me the definitive, so I can move on. I I, I agree. Wishy washy's worse. I wish people would just say, "Not today. I'm not feeling it," and I respect that. But I I like to surround myself with people that push themselves to kind of like go out and have experiences with me. I, I'll, I'll do it by myself. I'm very good at being by myself and having experiences. I love doing it. But I'm better with with my team with me, so I, I always ask people if they want to, and most of the time they do, but there are times where people make excuses, and I think they're a little bit weak, and I'm like, come on, man. You got one, you got one shot at this. This could be the best night of your life. You, you only know if you do it. One quality that you have
1: that uh, I wish I had is you will just say hello to anyone and everyone. I mean, this uh, the last 48 hours that I've been here every doorman every person in the elevator any employee you just say hi to them ask them how their day is going tell them to have a good day when you walk by it's incredible I really admire that about you do you ever feel like I'm very self-conscious I I just feel like people don't want to hear from me these strangers they don't want me to bother them they don't want me to get them into some type of conversation but you seem to not
0: care about that well this goes back kind of to like your your stereotype question of like the the finance guy finance people a lot of the stereotype is that they are self-important selfish and like kind of grimy shitty people i i'm i i'm genuinely a kind person i really care about yeah. people like when, when i care about you i care the fuck out of you you won't be able to escape my clutches of care <laughs> i'm aware like i am really caring of like a thoughtful to people that i fuck with like to a point where it may be a problem. <laughs> I, I get I get angry when the people I care about don't move to fucking <laughs> no, but uh, but like I I just it, it it's something my grandfather taught me. My grandfather is this old Italian guy. He ran with like crazy crews in New York, where and New Yorkers take pride in being like rude and like short, even though I think that's a bad stereotype too. Because most people I run into in New York, like if you're nice. Listen, if you're looking for trouble, you'll get trouble. If you're looking for kindness, you'll get kindness. And my grandfather was always like, listen, it never kills you to be kind. You'll always get more bees with honey than with salt. it, It never hurts to be kind. So when I see somebody who's alone or, you know, just doing their job or something, there's no amount of people that you could count that probably walk right past these people and like, you know, Either they're shy and they just don't really feel like talking or whatever, but it comes across as rude no matter what. I'm not going to let anybody feel like they're less than me, whether they're my doorman or somebody that works wherever. I I think everybody has importance. Everybody's interesting. Everybody has a story to tell. I said this earlier in the podcast, but everybody has something about them that makes them great. And I, I think that everybody should believe that about themselves at the very least. And I started off with being kind. I'll say hi to everybody. I'll make sure like, to check in on them. You know, I love the people that work in my apartment complex. Like I've made great friends with them because I pass by them every single day and we have our own inside jokes and everything like that. But I, I like to learn about people. It's just like so I started off with being kind and that like opens the door a little bit. So I can start to explore the person. And if that person interests me, then, you know, we can, you know, if I'm at a bar and I see somebody alone, I'll strike up a conversation with them because most likely they're not there alone by choice or something like that, unless they're really depressed, in which case they'll tell me to fuck off and I'll be like, okay, have a great day. But I think everybody has something they want to share with you. And I think that there's Value in trying to seek that out a little bit. And there are times where I don't want to talk to people too. And I get that. Like, I'm human. I'm, I'm very bipolar in the aspect of like, I get very into things. Like, I, I want to go out all the time. And then there are days where I don't want to leave the house. So I, I'm very extreme on each scale. But I, I'm always going to try and make an effort to make everybody feel welcome and warm and, you know, at the very least get some sort of kindness and like walk away from an experience with me being like that guy was like not bad <laughs> you know like i'm not shooting for spectacular i'm just like at the very least i want people walk away and be like he was he was a nice guy you know i think there's there's a great that that's just a great quality to have when somebody doesn't have something bad to say about you and it's just like yeah i mean you never know like who they talk to you know you could swipe right on Bumble or something, and they could, you know, be friends. They live in South Beach, Miami, where I live, and they hit him up. And they're like, oh, yeah, I actually met that kid. Like, he's really like a nice guy. And I think like. I think kindness kills. I think it's just the way it goes. i this turning into too long of a rant, but I I love a kindness rant. Yeah, I, I do think like if you are internally fulfilled and just really genuinely a happy person it like kindness comes pretty naturally like you you have nothing to be upset about and if if you're not happy or whatever i still think that you should make an effort to be kind or talk to somebody about something and they'll appreciate the the realness i think like it's not to be fake like you gotta speak your mind and everything but i think like you know Friends are kind of like a therapy session a little bit. And, uh, you know, you can make friends with anybody. And I think that if you turn somebody away or if you just walk by somebody without giving them a hello, you, you're cutting, you're slamming a door. You're just, you're not giving anybody an opportunity. You know, some person sitting at a bar, my doorman, whoever it is, they can become my best friend. So we'll see what, it, you know, we, we see what happens. And you're never going to have that unless you kind of just say hi, you know, say hi, be kind.
1: In today's modern world, attention, uh, our attention is splintered in so many different ways. We have so many different ways to spend our attention. I think giving your attention to someone else today is maybe the kindest thing that you can do, undivided, making sure that other people feel like they matter, that they're heard, that they're seen. I think that is like the most loving thing that you can do.
0: I agree. I mean, I, I get... <laughs> I mean, I, I find myself to be an incredibly interesting guy, Troy. I, I am a great conversationalist. I I love making people laugh and, you know, nothing's better than a good smile sitting across from me. If I feel like I'm entertaining somebody, I'm having a great time. Like, I'll keep going. Um, I I get very insulted when I'm like sitting across from somebody and I call my mom out on this all the time, even though she's not one of these people, but she does it every once in a while. She'll pull out her phone when we're having dinner Oh, uh, Lauren, something. what are you doing, Lauren? And I'll just be like, oh, here we go again. These millennials with their phones. Because <laughs> I never do that. When I'm at a dinner table with somebody, my phone is, I mean, I'll keep it on me just in case. I, it's the bad phone, you know, works never over. I work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I have to be ready for whatever phone call comes to me. But if that phone doesn't buzz in my pocket, I might check to see if I got like a text message or a call. But I'm not like on Instagram when I'm out to dinner. I'm not scrolling through Snapchat when I'm at a bar. People are getting my full and undivided attention because I think I, I nothing on that uh, on the. I think the phones are poisonous. I think everybody knows that phones can oh, yeah. be very poisonous. Um, but nothing on that phone can can be better than in, than what I can get out of. You know, the experience for of sure. being present, you know, like real life. I think real life is awesome. <laughs> like
1: it's cool. Pretty good. Uh, because our phones are so poisonous for many of us, we are uh, developing a lot of confidence issues. I think you are the most confident man that I've ever come across. For those of us who struggle with confidence, what would your advice be? to those who struggle with confidence to try to, to improve that? How, how can you feel or act more confident? Fake it. No, I'm i I uh, mean, I mean, there is, there, there is something real to like,
0: Listen, like I, 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 I'm passionate and I think a lot of times my passion can seem like confidence because I speak boldly and I talk boldly. I speak my mind. I really, I, I, I will say anything to anybody. I really keep nothing holstered. Like I, I, if, if something comes up, I'm going to bring it up. If something's bothering me, I'm going to bring it up, but there's time. You, everybody has moments of, you know, where you kind of question yourself or confidence issues or whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, i take a look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm the fucking shit, man. Like I, I just get things done. Like I, like, I don't know. I, I, I have too much good things in my life to like not be confident in to a certain degree. I'm not sitting here being like, I'm the most confident guy in the world, but I've been blessed. Like I, I got very lucky with my job and I fell into something that's been magnificent. I consider myself to be a fairly good looking guy. I I, I feel like most, I feel like a lot of people have image issues And I, that doesn't really happen to me. Like I, I have a lot of confidence about how I look, whether I'm fat, skinny, whatever it is, Uh, it doesn't really bother me too much. And I think, again, like if, if you put an effort, like just the slightest bit of effort into what I was saying about like just being kind and like making notes that like, I think people suffer with their confidence when they bury themselves into their phone, they don't have interpersonal communication I think that community helps your confidence. I think that when you have great friends that you talk to, like whether it's over the phone, you're having a real conversation with somebody or you go to a bar and you talk to somebody. I think when you look somebody in the eye and you tell them what you're thinking and you're just making a connection, I think that helps your confidence so much. I think that if you just drop everything, you're just like, fuck it. I'm gonna talk to this person. I don't know them. I don't know how they're gonna receive it. I'm just going to do it. You you see a girl at the bar who's just like beautiful. And most people are like, ah, she's out of my league. I'm going to go talk to her because like, what's the worst that can happen? She'll go, ew, this motherfucker stinks. And I'll be like, all right, have a good day. (laughs) Or she'll be like, oh, I'm just here with my friends. And I'll be like, oh, and then, you know, I'll start a conversation. Just based off of some stupid yeah. What's thing. what's the line? I don't have lines. I'm not a pickup artist. I have a friend that has holster like libraries of lines, and just like I, I think lines are corny. I kind of I'm more like a Jerry Seinfeld type of guy. I'm ob- I'm, I'm uh, observational. Like, I, I read the room and I just try to make a joke or, you know, play games or something. like. We, we spent two hours at a bar last night playing before and afters. And we were having the greatest... It's it not that hard to have a great time if you just let your guard down and just say, fuck it, I'm going to go and do this. And, you know, it, I, I share incredible moments with complete strangers. And I think that those experiences build confidence. The fact that I run into most people... And most people have a good time with me because I am a happy-go-loving, uh, ha- happy-go-lucky, fun-loving individual with no ulterior motives. I am just present with you, and I think that most people leave interactions with me being like, "That's a good guy. He's cool. Like I, I had fun with him." That helps my confidence because I'm like, I my my hit rate. I, I don't usually have the greatest first impression with professional situations but socially my hit rate has to be at least 87% and you know if you bat 300 in baseball you make the hall of fame so i'm 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 going to the hall of fame so i'm i'm that makes me pretty confident <laughs>
1: uh so as we wrap up here there's one final question that uh that i like to ask of people what is one thing one flaw that you have that you want to work on that you want to get better at
0: um what is it? The biggest flaw that I have is kind of just being it, it, it goes back I I can't think of the word right now. Maybe you can help. You're the word smith amongst us. Um when like I I do really like when I do really well with my job, like you're you're a guy who is like a glutton for work. Like you will you, you really get off on like like putting all you got into your job i'm more of a glutton for my free time and experiences and like meeting people and that stuff and when i do a lot of work and it pays off and i have like a great month sometimes i can take my foot off the gas pedal a little bit and you know get live, complacent get complacent that's exactly what i, I and and i'm not an extremely complacent person because it usually takes me two or three days to be like, all right, time to get back on on the treadmill and like whatever. Um, but there is occasions when I'm like riding high and I'm feeling myself a little bit and like work's going good and dating life is going good and I I just like get complacent and like whatever I'm like I'm because I'm always happy but then I get really happy and I'm like this this life is just fucking awesome I like, couldn't even can't believe. And I just kind of like lean into that and, but I'm still a 31 year old man. I'm still trying to build up. I'm still trying to like, you know, build myself into something that, you know, can be sustainable for the future. Right now I'm doing very, very well for where I'm at right now. But if I were to quit tomorrow, I'm not ready to go 50, 20, whatever, how many years I need to go. So I, I got to continue working and I, I'm a hard worker. I really am. When I get to it, I, I bust my ass. But there are moments of complacency that really kicked in probably about a year ago when re- stuff started really going well for me um, that I could probably work on a little bit. Again, it's not extreme, um, probably not the best answer in the world, but um, but it it is something that I should probably get slightly better at maybe take half a day to, to, to be complacent, not a couple of days. You know what I mean? So.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love that topic. It's something that I wrote about um, in my book and I use Conor McGregor as an example, because it's like, you get to the top. I mean, you, you're famous, you've got so many followers, you're well known, you've got money at the wazoo. And it's like once you've got all those things, how do you get better? Like he hasn't won a fight, he's a fighter, he doesn't want to
0: fight. He's won one fight in the last like five years. Because nice. you've just gotten like very complacent. I mean, like Conor McGregor's an incredibly flawed individual, but he's also a massive success. I mean, as far as life goes, he's he's winning like pretty hard. And, and if he doesn't want to train or fight, I he could quit tomorrow and be very he he could take care of his kids, he could take care of his kids' kids. He's going to be rich forever and probably for generations beyond them. So I I don't hate it as much uh, because at some point you got to enjoy life. And, you know, I not to say that I like Conor McGregor because I know he's like pretty canceled at this point. Yeah, he's not great. But I, I don't mind Conor McGregor as much as most people do. But I got a question for you. Oh, let's go. All right. Let's let's get into it. I mean, you've been in Miami now for two days. Yeah. Could you see yourself living here? I asked myself this question. Five times already since I've been I here. Um, I mean, I, listen, you've been to a lot of different spots. I yeah. know today, I mean, we woke up and played tennis. I got a little sunburnt. not sure if it's going to come through on the video. Um, and then we went to the beach. Yeah. We are very bad at standing still. And yeah, beach days yeah, yeah. are very chill. I mean, we were, well, at least I was fairly hungover. And l- the beach is very nice for that. I love that. And yeah. we did the cold plunge and we did the hot, those great day. Um, that wasn't so much your scene, but then I take you to a place like Wynwood, which is a little bit more popular, yeah. has some cool breweries and stuff like that. And then you haven't even seen Coral Gables, which I think you would be a big fan of. Um, could you see yourself living? I could, I,
1: I mean, this place isn't, uh, like where I was in Hawaii, unless like in Waikiki, it's very similar to Miami. <clears throat> um, I didn't like it so much in the moment when I was in Hawaii, but since then I've been like, gosh, that was really nice. I really want to go back there. Uh, and so Miami is kind of similar to where like, you know what? I, I actually can live well in a place like this. And I didn't think that there was anything to seasonal depression. Like I thought that was all a hoax, but I was never sad in Hawaii. Like I, I go, I definitely go in and out when I was in London. I had a, so much fun in London, but I had my bad days. I didn't have any bad days in Hawaii. You probably don't have too many bad days here. And I I would really like to minimize my bad days. And this seems like a place I could do it. So I'm not sure if I would sign a year lease here because I can't sign a year lease anywhere and be content with that. But maybe I could do like a month year year, three months there.
0: Yeah, I feel <laughs> that. You know, Jan- January to March is pretty shitty in the Northeast. <laughs> exactly. pretty cool down here. <laughs> no, I, I like it's hard to wake up in the morning and look at yeah. the ocean and the beach and all the beautiful people around here and like hate life. <laughs> yeah. The food. And I'm not a food guy. The food has been fantastic. I'm
1: talking like the healthy food has been really good. It's rare that the healthy food is like, wow,
0: this is fire. It's so good here. Well, that's Miami. I mean, yeah. like everybody, everybody needs to be healthy here. It's, yeah. it's funny. I have one friend that moved to Miami a few years ago And he's in recovery, actually, but there's a lot of time. He's a little bit lazy, and sometimes he he called me. and He was just like, hey, Jake, like, I love Florida, but I also kind of hate Florida because it's impossible to just have one of those days where you don't do anything. Mm. You see everybody outside. You see everybody active. Everybody's beautiful. They're all thin and ripped and just almost plastic. A lot of people are plastic here. Then like, you see these people and it's like, you see the sun shining and like the ocean and it's impossible to just sit in your bed and be like, I shouldn't be outside right now. Yeah. I I know I should be outside right now, but I'm just gonna decide to be a piece of garbage. Like in New York, you wake up on a Sunday in December, it's 30 de- 35 degrees, it's raining. You're like, oh, <laughs> I'm hungover. Guess I can't go outside <laughs> today. This sucks so bad. That doesn't happen here like ever. And I feel like that's very much up your alley because you're you're like, I like to go out and do shit, which is why we're friends. I mean, you and I, it's funny because we joke about it a lot. There's like, we have a spectrum here and it's like the Troy to Jake scale where we have very different personalities. We're bonded over our passion for like life and experiences and stuff like that. But we're very different in like, entertainment forms and like how we how we go about you know getting the most of situations um, and we have a lot of friends that fall onto the scale it's like all right, are they more like the Jake side or are they more like the Troy side I mean we love them all the same but there's just like the the extremes are me and you yeah. and then everybody else falls right in between yeah the Troy side is obviously the best uh, the stoic wanderer <laughs> versus the fucking animal <laughs> The Miami
1: Degenerate. Thank you for joining me very much, Jake. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on The Found Generation probably in like another year and a half. Uh, or if I move to Miami and you kick your brother out of your new apartment and I slide
0: in because I might need a place to stay. Yeah, maybe I'll just be the the co-host of The Found Generation. We can <laughs> hit that spectrum all the time. You can ask them about their 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 like emotions and stuff i'll be like so what'd you get into last night bro you, you go party you go you go hook up with chicks. <laughs> i feel like that's <laughs> this we... would be a great podcasting spot i'm sure you've got a melting
1: pot of interesting people here oh so there's good. no doubt i i
0: mean you've met a few already that yeah. already are pretty, pretty got great yeah, I've, had, I've had
1: several people pitch them themselves to be
0: on the show already yeah i mean miami you know we're we're a huge community of attention whores so uh, <laughs> i'm sure uh, everybody i know would be more than happy to join your podcast and help you grow <laughs>
1: Jake, thank you for joining, and uh, I wish you all the best with everything. You're
0: killing it, and I'm very proud of you. Likewise here, Troy. Very happy that you're here right now with me and sharing this weekend with me and you know, sharing my experiences. And likewise to you, book, phenomenal, read cover to cover. <laughs>
1: left a review
0: which left by the way review. you can do
1: just scroll all the way
0: down to but, the bottom of the amazon page but very very real like everything that you do very very proud of what you do like you are the hardest worker i know and i'm happy that you're my friend man.